stories of entrepreneurs and how they overcame the struggles and challenges to get where they are today. This is Believe in the Entrepreneur with Joel Sandoval, CPA. Welcome to another episode of Believe in the Entrepreneur, and I'm super excited because I have my tocayos, what you say in Spanish, Joel Ruiz in the house, who uh, is based out of uh, LA and drove all the way to Bakersfield to come see me. So Joel, thanks for being part of the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So for, for those that don't know who Joel is, he's a, you know, I actually met him at an event at Willie Escobar's event uh, down south in LA, where I had the opportunity to speak, talk about, you know, how we can help business owners save money in taxes. And Little did I know that Joel is in a very similar industry, helping, you know, people plan for their retirement through financial services. So it was kind of like a, you know, we just kind of matched. So it was great to, to meet you. So Joel, but why don't you start by telling me a little bit about your backstory? You know, I'm sure you weren't a financial advisor the day you were born. Nope. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, how you became who you are today. Okay. Well, I can go all the way back to my early childhood. And, uh, even that was a little bit of a struggle growing up. I came from a single parent, uh, household uh, in East LA and you know East Los Angeles so uh, that wasn't uh, the most ideal setting in uh, in in the home but nevertheless uh, as a young age I started to really realize pretty quickly uh, that uh, the the need for uh, to adapt to situations that right. were that were difficult so you know we were a single parent single income so I didn't have a lot of the luxuries that other kids had mm -hmm. so uh, i just started working early i uh, got my first job believe it or not throwing newspapers oh delivering really? newspapers you know from for the el sereno star it's a little community that i lived in okay in northeast la and then um from there i first from there i went to carl's jr so i was flipping burgers nice you know, it's, a, it's a typical teenage type of job right right so then uh, at that point uh I was working, going to high school, uh, did well in high school, and I winded up getting involved with somebody who had the ability to get me a job at Security Pacific Bank. And that was my first introduction into, I would say, the financial sector, okay. and the financial world. And I was a teller, and although it was very low entry at the time, but nevertheless, uh, I was dealing with money. Mm -hmm. I was starting to learn a little bit how money works and so forth pretty naive to it still. Mm -hmm. And from then I winded up going to Cal Fed, California Federal Bank. And none of these banks are even around anymore. Okay. That's how far back it goes. But what winded up happening with Cal Fed was I started to get involved with the loan side of of banking. Mm -hmm. So I was a loan service rep there. Then I went into an to become an insurance claims coordinator at that point. So I started to understand insurance now. Mm. And that was kind of like my, my first exposure into insurance. So I'm getting all these little, you know, points from here and there. And, you know, throughout this little three or four year window here that I'm, I'm jumping from job to job. Gotcha. Throughout this whole process, I'm in college. I'm doing my undergrad at uh, Cal Poly Pomona. Okay. And the funny thing is I went in as an engineer major. Mm. But as a result of being exposed to all these other areas in the financial world, I decided to make a change, and I started to realize, you know what, I don't think engineering is going to be the, the fit for me. Right. So, and that's when I pretty much took off. I started in CalFed moving up the corporate ladder, mm -hmm. even though I was there um, a short period of time, but I started to realize how the corporate structure worked. Right. And it's political. Right. And I started to see very quickly that there was somebody that was getting paid the same amount of money as I was, mm -hmm. but doing not even half the work I was doing right? because we were there for so long. They had some connections and chummy chummy with, you know, whoever the supervisors were. Right. And so on and so forth. So I already started to make a plan to leave, mm. but they laid me off before I had a chance to execute my plan. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so, which is, I'm okay. I was all right with that because I was going to leave anyways. So in that process of planning, I decided to go into real estate and I started to get my real estate license and start to learn that side of the business. Okay. And right when they let me go, I decided to take that leap of faith. Mm. And I just said, I'm going to go in full time mm -hmm. as a real estate agent. And that's the first time I would have to say that I was an entrepreneur in a sense to right. my, for myself. I was self-employed. I don't really call it an entrepreneur yet, but 
nevertheless, it was something that I had to to make a huge adjustment. And when I say take that leap of faith, because I was used to getting a paycheck, right? And every Friday it was it was gonna come, and I was good, right? right. Now that wasn't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So now everything shifts, and all the effort is on me and my ability to perform, right? And as a real estate agent, it's great. You sell your first home, you get a great commission. You're you're high and you know you're yeah riding high, right? But then what happens? You're unemployed again. Mm-hmm. You you're unemployed until you sell that next one or whatever the case was. So I started to realize at that point how to budget, mm. how to how to um, create a, a strategic plan mm-hmm. to develop, how to market and so forth. So all of these things are starting to happen when I'm in, and this is. Keep in mind, I'm still in my early 20s at this point. Right. I'm not even 23. Oh, wow. So that's how early in life I'm at. Gotcha. <clears throat> really didn't have much guidance mm. on what to do, how to do all this stuff. So mm. I was kind of just learning on the fly and taking chances and, and you know, trial and error. Mm-hmm. So, and um, I just look back to all the influences in my life growing up, and it, it all kind of came full circle with just these past, you know, experiences and right. where I got me to where I'm at today. So, you know, I credit um, my mom, you know, for showing me, you know, the, you know, just the foundational things mm-hmm. about life. My uncle Chris, who was a huge, huge influence. He's the one that taught me work ethic. Mm. He's the one that taught me how to work hard mm-hmm. and, and, and do it right. Not don't, don't go into a job and just do it halfway, you know, mm-hmm. do it all the way, all right. the way. And that's important. Because a lot of times people like to take shortcuts, mm-hmm. and shortcuts don't give you, you know, they, you know, you're, you're going to wind up working harder in the end. Right. So, work hard, work smart, for sure. And then at this point, I also have to look back at uh, another huge influence for me, which was my cousin Lisa, because mm-hmm. she was the only one in our family that really kind of started to, to progress and and really become successful. Mm. So I looked at her as that person I wanted to become. Gotcha. So. I had all these visions of doing things, inspirations, and I just went in blind, mm-hmm. just working hard, trial and error. And I'll say this. I want to say that failure is a prerequisite for success. Yep. And I don't care what anybody says. If you're not failing, you're not, you're not going through the process the right way mm-hmm. because you're going to learn from your failures, you're going to become better from it, and you're going to become more efficient in the end. Right. So, uh, and that's exactly what started happening for me. And, <clears throat> excuse me, from that point forward, I just started to take off. I started purchasing property. I started um, becoming really, really good at sales. And I started um, um, working much more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And then I got recruited by a company to handle their their portfolio. Okay. And this company was was buying left and right. So I started managing property. I was still purchasing and I was selling for them. Mm. So by this time, I'm in my mid-20s. Okay. Going into my late 20s and uh, riding pretty high. Right. It, things were going really, really well. And then what started to happen, we had a, a, a I don't know if you remember, I don't know how old you are, Joel, but, uh, you know, this is all happening in the mid-90s. Okay. All right. Early, gotcha. early to mid-90s. Okay? okay. There was a part of... of time there in the 90s where there was a what we had somewhat of a bubble kind of mm-hmm. situation that we had in 2008 and there were a lot of properties upside down mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember that or not yeah okay all right so we were in the middle of that and at that point in time there was a lot of opportunities that came about because of that situation mm-hmm. so i was able to purchase and pick up a lot of different properties and i had a pretty good huge portfolio at that point nice in time. so as I'm riding through this, you know, high, mm-hmm. and again, life kind of hits you in certain ways, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a situation that took place that winded up having to make a huge adjustment for me. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that individual that I was working for had pulled out, and I was left with nothing at that point because now... I was used to getting a salary. I was used to getting commissions and so forth. So, mm. I mean, you know, I was... I was on easy street. Right. And then I had to go all the way back to, all right, wait a minute. Now here I'm back to square one mm. where now I got to fend for myself again. Mm. Right. So that was a wake up call because it was a, it was something that told me that, look, Hey, 
you know, don't don't take things for granted. You know, you always have to be looking forward, planning for the next step and the next move. So mm-hmm. uh, at that point, now we're in our 2000s mm-hmm. and I could start to see property values rise. Okay. I'm selling some of my portfolio, making some good, you know, money off of that. Yeah. Wishing I held on to it a little longer, but you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Then 2008 hits. But right before 2008, a key thing happens for me, but even actually before that. Okay. As I'm in that moment of the early 2000s, I meet this special person who happens to be now my wife. Mm. So uh, I, uh, her name's Sushan, but mm-hmm. uh, we call her Susie. So I, I meet Susie. And, you know, that's one of those moments and you know, you stop and you think there's probably trigger moments, right? There's moments in your life that like, okay, wait a minute. It really pivots and changes your direction, right? Yep. Either in a good or a bad way, mm-hmm. right? And there's certain things that happen. So that was one of those moments. So I meet Susie and things start to change for me because at that point we started a mortgage company and she was that one person, mm-hmm. you know, when you have your mate, you want to hope and wish for that. That's someone that you could play, you know, pitch and catch with. Yeah. They're going in the same direction. Yeah. They have the same vision mm-hmm. and so forth. And a lot of times that that's a struggle because right. they may not have that same vision. They may not understand it or whatever. So she comes aboard and, and starts working with me. Mm-hmm. And we start to build this mortgage company up from the ground up. And I say from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Literally, we had zero clients, you know, and we just, all right, here, we're going to open these doors and we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I aligned myself with a broker and we went for it. All right. And in that adjustment there, that was that, because again, remember I told you I had that person that I was done. Right. And I had to start all over. So this is where she comes into play. And we just start from the ground up. And I would say that that was probably one of our harder years mm. because again, we were starting all over. Right. And when you start all over, it, that's tough. So here we go. And we started building it, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. I don't know if you remember those mortgage years mm-hmm. from the early 2000s all the way to oh, yeah. meltdown, right? I mean, it, it was crazy. Yeah. It was insane. And we here we go. We're riding high again. We're on you know Easy Street doing really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then here comes the bubble. Right. 2008. And I remember having this conversation with her. And this was in 2007. And I remember telling her. And again, here's now where you start to, you, you become wiser. Mm-hmm. You start planning ahead. You have that vision from past experiences. She didn't see this, but I did. Mm. Because in the early 90s, we had a similar situation where, you know, properties were upside down. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, look, this is, this is not going to last. I said, we need to start thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. We got to have a backup plan. Because I see this getting ugly pretty fast here. Mm-hmm. So that's when we started to look into financial planning. Gotcha. Insurance and retirement services. Not to mention, though, the business started getting really ugly at that point. Mm-hmm. People were doing things that were not, um, uh, should I say, ethical. Right. And uh, we just didn't want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And people would come to us to do certain things, and we would turn it down and and we're like, no, we're, we're good. We're mm-hmm. good. So we'd rather not make the money than have to worry about you know, doing something that's not right. Right. So at that point, we started to plan and look into another industry, which is where the industry we landed now. So here we go again. The bubble burst, and everything goes downhill. Mm-hmm. My broker retires at that point because he's like, oh, I'm done. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Oh, wow. So now that left us again. Mm-hmm. Here we are for me, second time around now. Right. All right. Starting all over again. But now we're starting all over in a whole different industry. Mm. Right. At least I had some background in the other area mm-hmm. of real estate. So, but here we go. We started, put our heads down, started working, and we started doing what we needed to do, learning the business, trial and error, error failing, like I said, mm-hmm. and going through this process one more time. And I remember our first check we got when we closed, um, uh, like it was, I think it was an insurance deal. Mm-hmm. And it was, it wasn't a lot of money. Mm. It, I, I want to say it was somewhere like around $300 or something oh, wow. like that. I mean, it was that small, believe it or not. <laughs> and then we were so excited about that. Mm. And it wasn't that we were excited about the amount of money. 
that it was or that it wasn't mm-hmm. rather because $300. I'm like, you think, okay, what that, you know, that's not going to do much. <laughs> but what was so exciting about it was that we understood the process worked. Mm-hmm. We did something. We were able to get compensated for that and we helped the family. Right. So now we said, okay, let's duplicate this. How do we get to duplicate this over and over at a much higher rate with more efficiency? And then that's where we started doing it. Mm. through and now we started strategizing between the both of us and again she's such a key component to our business because i play off of her strengths she plays off of my strengths Mm -hmm. so and i'm not saying that that's always going to be the case for certain people but in in our case it is and it works really really well so at that point we just started building it on we were independent agents then we grew and became number one top producers mm-hmm. to the point where the agency that we were at, we left with some other partners and then we formed legacy mm. and we became partners and we just started growing legacy from that point forward. And then we opened another corporation called JSC, mm. which we grew that same line of work, same line of business. And now JSC is one of the top performing agencies for legacy Mm. within legacy so we kind of manage both sides and we're still moving forward we're still growing we're still doing things and i look back now joel and i says man that 300 dollars check has been you know magnified by you know 10 20 times at this point mm-hmm. you know but again it, it took time it wasn't easy it was a process but nevertheless we stuck to it and you know through the trial and error the failure being a prerequisite for success here we are and we look back today now and we enjoy the fruits of all of our labor. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a 10-year-old son and, you know, I enjoy it. He just turned 11. And, um, you know, I get to pick him up every day from school mm-hmm. if I choose to. Right. You know, I, we get to go on places. I, I go to his, his uh, performances at school. I mean, I have these freedoms now and time freedom because of the hard work I put in prior. So uh, at this point, uh, we're just looking forward now to the next steps. So, awesome. That's inspired. That's an inspirational story. And I think that, you know, you went through so many like ups and downs throughout your career that you've even like, you know, kind of learned from your family members, got inspired. And also, you know, you've been through a couple multiple waves right in the economy and been able to bounce back from that. And there's so many things that I learned from it. But I want to take it back to, you know, because you said East L.A., right? So I could just imagine like for me, I'm from Watsonville, California, and in Watsonville, there's a big, you know, there's a lot of gang violence. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I remember just, you know, being in, uh, you know, school and there'd literally be people fighting just because they're wearing red colors versus blue colors. And it's like, uh, for me, thankfully, you know, I had a good, you know, I had a good family. I, I grew up with both of my parents. I didn't have a single, you know, single parent like you did. So how did you stay out of trouble from, you know, being around, surrounded by this kind of like bad environment? Great question. And, and, and you're right, because the environment wasn't too different from what you're speaking of over here in Wattsville mm-hmm. because uh, we did have gang presence, huge gang presence. And I remember that whole red and blue you know, conflict there. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I just, thankfully, I surrounded myself with peers that, that weren't in that, that lifestyle. Mm. They, were, they came from good families. And, you know, un- unfortunately, I did have some examples in my family that that kind of swayed me in another direction mm. and again my mother and um and and you know my uncle the people that raised me they they would use situations to point out you know what the potential problem could be in the mm. future if you go down this route mm. so as a young person as a as a child i started to realize pretty quickly i, I started putting the pieces together i said okay well if you get involved with this you're more than likely going to have this problem and this problem is going to lead to this problem and so forth. And where's the end result Mm. and results either in jail or drug addiction Mm -hmm. or both or six feet under Mm -hmm. or maybe in a wheelchair because of some, you know, fight that puts you in there, whatever the situation was. So I really started to understand pretty quickly that that's not the direction I want to go. Right. So I started as and, you know, I, I want to say this because it's important in you can have that guidance in, in, as a child. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to your teenage years, 
the peer influence sometimes could be greater than that oh, yeah. that that parent upbringing. Mm-hmm. So, thank God I never got involved with anybody that influenced me to the point where I lost sight of what my parents were trying to share with me, mm. and trying to instill in me. Right. So, I I just started aligning myself with those individuals that were are that were going to be more of a positive. Uh, influence mm-hmm. as I was going through my teenage years. And and thank God I, I pulled out of that really, really well. There's one incident, though, that I think that really changed things for me because I did kind of start going in a bad direction in, at the early stages of my of my junior high, mm-hmm. seventh grade. And, and it's a funny thing because what happened is in the seventh grade, everybody had to take a test. Mm-hmm. And that test was going to place you in a certain category of classes to set you up for high school. Okay. Well, I placed pretty high on this test and it put me in like these honor classes. Mm. So at that point I started, all my classes were kind of like with nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to call it that, but you know, yeah. but it, it, it really changed my, my direction too, because I started hanging out with these people in these classrooms and yeah. And, you know, they had a much more positive outlook in life. They, they had a, a goal of, of, hey, college is the next step. This is where we want to go. Mm-hmm. So, and that's exactly what winded up happening. So I started to, at that point to really understand about how to set yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. Because now I had, I was in this position where, okay, right, I want to go to college now. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to go to college? All right, I need to take this class, this class, this class, and so forth. So I was really putting myself in a position so that when I did graduate, I had options. Mm-hmm. And what if I applied that they had a good chance of success of getting at least one or two or three. And, you know, I applied to five schools. I got all five. Nice. So I, I chose Cal Poly as a result of financial situations. But, you know, one of them being USC. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I hide that. I, you know, I hold that with high regard because, you know, I had the brains to get in. Mm-hmm. You know, just didn't have the financial resources. But you know, here again, this is where now I like to come back and really help families because had my mother or whoever had the opportunity to sit with somebody like me, we could have set that up for me mm-hmm. and maybe it would have been a different outcome. But either way, I'm still fine. I'm good where I'm at right now. Yeah, and that, I think that's what I love about the power of stories, right? Because you mentioned that as a child, you, you remember that your family members, your parent, your parents, your uncle would give you examples of like, bad situations you could be in and and you almost like visualized it and you're like this could actually be me and it was the same thing for me as a kid i remember my dad saying hey he always told me he's like hey once you get to a certain age whether it's high school or college like you're gonna be on your own it is my job right now when you're in elementary or junior high to kind of mold you but once you become an adult like i don't really have that much influence and so he would give me all these stories of like you know people that ended up in great situations, people who ended up in bad situations and those stories, like I still remember them like they were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, I love stories because it really has an influence in your actions and your behaviors and, and your parents use that for you to go in the right direction. Absolutely. And then more importantly, the second thing I got is also your environment, who you, you know, you, you were lucky enough to be into a test good to be in this classroom with, you know, highly educated or you know people who had good grades mm-hmm. essentially and that influences who you hang out with that influences your thoughts that influences you know your behaviors so your environment also has a huge impact so those two things you know can mold who you are and so it, it and a lot of people don't re- realize that the environment they're in is affecting them they don't realize that you know how much they could influence their brain and their actions simply by who they're hanging out with. Absolutely. I mean, your associations are so huge. Right. You know, and, and especially in those, you know, foundational years too. Yep. Yeah. But again, too, getting back to that point, it, it also really also comes down to you as the individual because you can be in the right environment, right association, but you could still make a poor choice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to have the, the ability to understand and, and, make the right choice mm-hmm. and you know not every choice is going to be correct but at least there's some that you should be able to you know yeah make that choice pretty <laughs> pretty evenly easily that that you know you're gonna all right this is the way i should be going some of these choices you you, you should know at least 
you know, if you're being brought up correctly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right way to go. Yeah, whenever you come across this, like, you know, <laughs> left or right, you know which way to go based on, you know, hopefully your upbringing. But at the end of the day, you're the one that makes that decision. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. And so one of the things I've, I thought was interesting is like, you, you know, you went through this kind of like bubble in the 90s, then also 2008. And then um, and so you and but before that, you were working in banking and, and it's kind of like destiny was in the making. Right. It, it pretty much like you, you, you know, you had numbers. But before that, you were working at I think you said Carl's Jr. Yeah, Carl's Jr. So how did, how did you get the opportunity to even work at, you know, at a bank? Yeah. So the, the funny thing about how I made that transition there was a, a, a employee that worked there. We were coworkers mm. at Carl's Jr. Okay, and and he left, and he got a job at Security Pacific. I don't know how he got this job, but mm. he got this job, and then he came back one day because you know visiting, having a burger, whatever it is, and we start talking, and he says, "Hey, what are you doing now? Where, where did you go?" And he says, "Oh, I'm I'm working at this bank." And he starts talking about how cool it is, and mm-hmm. you know the banking hours and. You get to dress up, and you're, you know it's a lot. You know, air conditioning. You're not behind a grill. And I was <laughs> like, "Wow, man, this sounds great." <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I said, "Well, how can I get in, get in a job there?" He says, "Can you hook me up?" I asked him, and he says, "Well, yeah, hold on, let me see what I if I can get get you in there." And then he comes back about a week later, and he says, "Fill out this app." So I fill out the app, and he turns it into his supervisor. And sure enough, I get a call, and I guess he threw in a good word. For yeah. Me. Says, yeah, this guy's a hard worker, but something that was it. And uh, I went into the interview. They liked me, and that was there. I was like him. Awesome, side by side. <laughs> yeah. Again, so the, here's another lesson, right? We've already dropped two nuggets. Another, another one is the power of relationships. Absolutely. Right. So you had you you had a friendship with someone who had already you know their foot in the door in right. the banking, and because you had that friendship, you know you got that opportunity to work there as well. For sure. Yeah. Which is awesome. And now let's fast forward. Okay, now you're you're, you're climbing the corporate ladder. And you decide, you know, you ended up actually getting laid off, but you mm-hmm. already had the thoughts of being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I went through that same stage. You know, I became a CPA, was making six figures, and got influenced by entrepreneurial books, personal development books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I took the leap of faith just like you did. And I went from a six-figure salary to a zero-figure salary. And that was a huge eye-opening experience for me, which was similar to you as well. So... Tell me a little bit about that time where you'd made that leap of faith, even though, you know, you, it was kind of like almost destiny as well because you ended up getting laid off. So tell me about, you know, that specific moment. Yeah. At, at that point, you could say I got pushed off the cliff, right? Because <laughs> they let me go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was sink or swim. But, you know, I already had kind of made that conscious decision to do it. And all I was doing was hanging in there. All I wanted to do was hang in there for a couple more months just to save some money and put it on the side. Because I knew I was going to wind up having to go on this commission base. So I wasn't going to have the luxury of a check coming in. But obviously that didn't happen. So I just had to go in, you know, put my, you know, feet through the fire and, and, and run through it. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that was probably one of the more difficult times of my life. Because at that point I really hadn't, you know, I wasn't making the six figures. So I didn't have that big drop in income. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, uh I did have responsibilities at that point in time. Mm-hmm. I remember exactly at that point in time, I had to come back from, because I was dorming at Cal Poly. Mm. I had to come back home because my mom had lost her job. Mm. So now there was no income coming in mm. to the household. So I became that person. Mm. Now I started working full time. And at that point I says, okay, wait a minute. It's all falling on me now. So one way or another, you know, we have to, I have to take care of business, hell or high water, as they say. Mm-hmm. So that's when I just started again. You, I, I aligned myself. I looked at right, who's the best agent in this office, right? Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to go with you. Mm-hmm. And I just introduced myself. My broker lined me up with them. And I said, look, I just want to go with you. I have a, I actually even shared my, one of my commissions with them. Mm. I said, look, I got my first deal here. I'll share it with you. Just teach me, show me what I need to do mm-hmm. in order to 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 learn how to this whole process. And that's exactly what happened. We closed the deal. We shared the commission. I said, okay, I think I got this. Let me go one more time with you. So second one, I did it again. And then at that point, I said, okay, I got it. And then you know, every now and then I would pick his brain or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then I started taking off from there. So it's, again, you talk about relationships. 
And um, it, it's important to know people because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if, if you align yourself with the people that know, have the knowledge, you're going to be able to, one, gain that knowledge. Two, in my opinion, is um, um, avoid their mistakes that they've already possibly made. Yep. All right. And, you know, that is probably the best education that you can have, too, because you can make that mistake and they're going to save you from that mistake. Right. So, and that is where it started to take off. I started to understand the, the ability to really uh, catapult my efforts into to income. And at that point, once I got it, I got it. And I, I just, I knew what I needed to do. And hard work comes into play too. I mean, I think the biggest problem that, that people have nowadays is that they're unwilling to put the work in. Right. And, and, you know, Kobe Bryant's one of my favorite um, athletes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he talks about these things. You know, he's, you know, people are coming into the gym, you know, his teammates, and he's already been there an hour yep. before. And then they're, they're gone and they go have dinner. And then, you know, they'll, they'll come back. They're walking back, you know, to the hotel and he's in the gym again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's just that work ethic. And, you know, I was, at, again, at a young age, I used to do that. I used to cut grass with my uncle wow. at, at the age of 11, you know, <laughs> 10, 11. You know, and here I'm this little kid pushing pushing a lawnmower. Yeah. But, again, it's not that I, I it's dislike it. I just, I wanted to help. And mm-hmm. I said, and then he used to give me an allowance. So for me, it was, it was a, a good trade-off. He was teaching me the value of, okay, putting hard work in mm-hmm. and getting compensated for yep. it. So I already started to have this concept, okay, right, work equals money. Now, yep. how efficiently you work is going to determine how quickly and how much money you can have. And that's the next phase where I started to understand. That's why he used to tell me to work smart. Right. He says, hey, don't work with your hands. He says, work with your head mm-hmm. because your body's going to only give you so much, but your mind is always going to be able to give you more. Yep. And your mind's going to be able to give you the ability to – to leverage other areas of hard work yep. that, that you can go ahead and, you know, you know, remove yourself from and give you time, freedom and so forth. So, yeah. So, and so that's what I started to understand and build from that point forward. Yeah. That's awesome. I actually have a similar story. I, I got a taste of compensation for money at a very young age. Actually, I grew up, my dad actually is a musician, so he sings and he was in a band and one of the band members ended up quitting, I think, when I was like eight years old. So my dad started putting me in lessons, piano lessons. By the time I was 10 years old, he's like, hey, I want you to be part of the band. Mm-hmm. Started learning the songs. First, uh, Quinceañera, or I think actually it was a wedding. We went, we went to go play. I was just having fun. You know, I was with right. my dad. We're playing music together. Like, I'm, there's videos of me, like, dancing while I'm playing. I just, like, literally a 10-year-old. And at the, end of the, at the end of the wedding, my dad comes to me and, like, hey, here's your here's your compensation. I was like, I wasn't even expecting that. I just was having fun. Now I realize how underpaid I was, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I, but I really, I made the connection between work and money and, and, and that, that work ethic almost, you know, it kind of like just goes with you as you start your career. But more importantly, I got, there's two other things I got from that as well. It's like, when you ever, you take that leap of faith, like you were, your back was against the wall. Like you didn't have another option. Like for me, it was like, my, my employer actually made me upset. I had to run a quick errand after on a Friday, on a Friday evening after five o'clock, it was only going to take me 30 minutes. And he gave me, wrote me a nasty text message saying, Hey, never run an errand. Um, unless, you know, you finish your assignment first. Like my, my work comes first. And uh, to me, it seemed like he didn't appreciate my work. So I ended up putting my two weeks notice next day, he ends up laying me off. Mm-hmm. So again, almost back against the wall, didn't have a choice. So there's not really a perfect time to take yeah. that leap of faith. You you're just, right. you just have to do, it's like when you're learning to swim, like you're, you just have to jump in there and eventually have someone to help you. Of course you don't drown, of course, yeah. but you just have to do it. Right. Um, and then the third thing was, you know, a lot of people say, I want to pick your brain, right? Because you, you found an agent that was, you know, very successful. And they say, hey, Joe, I want to pick your brain. I, pick, I want to pick your brain. But you realize, like, hey, I need a joint venture with him. Like, hey, I'm willing to give you part of my check. Mm-hmm. Just teach me what you know. Right. And people, and it's and the people that actually do pick my brain are the ones that approach it in that direction. Right. Say, hey, Joe, well, how, instead of saying, can I take you to lunch, to say, how much is it to spend an hour with you? Right. Right, because they they understand that your you know your your value is worth more than the lunch. Right, absolutely. 
And, and it's like, and so that you made that connection at a very young age, like, Hey, just show me what, you know, I'm willing to split the commission. And that's what allowed you to even, you know, jump even further in your Absolutely. career. Absolutely. And, and it's, and it amazes me how much people are so reluctant to do that. It's like, you don't understand how valuable, how much that, that experience, that knowledge cost. Right. And how much it's going to cost you in the, on the, on the back end. Because let's say I didn't do that. And let's say I just, all right, let me go ahead and, and do it all on my own. And I learn it the hard way. Sure, I'm eventually going to get through it. I'm going to learn. But how much money is that going to cost me over time? Mm-hmm. How much time I'm going to waste making mistakes or not knowing what I'm doing where I could just shortcut that? And again, that's where using your brain, working smart. Yep. Because now what you're doing is you're leveraging somebody else's knowledge, somebody else's experiences to shorten that time frame for you so that you can have that platform of success a lot quicker. Yep. And to me, it was well worth it. In oh, fact, yeah. You know, I, it was probably even a discount when I stop and think about it mm-hmm. because all the stuff I got out of those transactions were, were instrumental and huge for me to continue with my success. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I think that's what people, like you said, people are hesitant. They want to keep it all to themselves. And it's like the more you actually give, the more you receive. Yeah, absolutely. And so you have to have that mindset. Like it's only going to help you down, you know, down the long, long term. Absolutely. So tell me, okay, you, your real estate, you know, went through these two bubbles. Now you decide to say, hey, you know what, this the second time this real estate is thing is crashing. Why financial services? Great question. So at that point in time, I started, again, thinking smart, thinking, you know, with, uh, with a bigger vision. I started to realize in the real estate industry, you're, you're only as good as your last transaction. You get paid and you get paid well, but that's it. Mm-hmm. You've got to continue to have that same, unless you become a broker and you get recruiting agents and so forth. But uh, I, I wasn't a broker, so I was just an independent agent. And at that point, I started to realize I want to get... Uh, I want to get involved with something that will allow me to get paid over and over again. You know, there's three ways you get paid. You know, you can exchange time for money mm-hmm. or what I was doing, the self-employed way. You know, you get paid, you do the effort, you get paid a commission. Mm-hmm. But again, that's all still predicated on you yep. doing that effort. So the other way is through residual, mm-hmm. right? Do the work once, get paid over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, so... That's where I want to be now. So at that point, I started looking at financial services. I started looking at insurance. I started looking at retirement plans. And it gave me the best of both worlds. Mm. Because when I wind up setting up a retirement account, for example, I'm going to set them up. I'm helping them save for retirement. But with retirement, that's not a one-time shot most cases. Mm-hmm. Because let's take your situation. You know, you're, you're pretty young. I'm going to just say you're, what, maybe 35, something like that? Yep. All right. So 35, you're going to retire at 65. That's 30 years mm-hmm. between now and 65. So when you start your retirement account, you're going to put money in. Well, I'm going to get paid. I'm mm-hmm. going to get paid a commission as that money goes in. But are you going to stop? Are you just going to put $500 one month and that's it? No. The goal is to build this as big as you can. Yep. So the following month. It's going to be another 500 Mm. who's getting paid. Right. Following month, another 500, so forth. So as you can see, I'm doing the work once. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I'm going to maintain this account with you for sure. But my ability at that point to put in the time is all at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I'm just managing it at the end. Yep. So, But I'm getting paid every month as you're putting this in. Now, you're one client. What if I get two? Now, that's double. Mm-hmm. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You know, right now, my wife and I in our agency alone, we have close to a thousand clients. Wow. So do the math. So it starts to add up. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing is that we are not duplicating that effort every single month a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, with somebody, it's we did it once and it's, you know, we're getting the residual income at that point yep and this also happens with insurance depending on the certain products that we offer too mm-hmm. so in our opinion it winded up being such a better fit for us than real estate because one we're helping people in different ways two we're getting a residual income out of it mm-hmm. so and then you know three we also have an agency so we recruit agents and as well and we teach them and you know we get a little piece of that as well so 
that's another area. So I'm getting one, two, three, four different ways of getting paid. Yep. With this style of um, of um, business. So for us, that was the direction we wanted to go. So we wanted to start to build something that we can wind up being uh, having the freedom yep. to, to pull away and not be so hands-on yep. at one point in time. But we love what we do. I mean, you know, there, there's no greater value in, in sharing situations and, and goals and, and strategies for, for people to retire comfortably, which we have done for people. And then on the other side, protecting, protecting their assets and yep. so forth with, you know, like life insurance. You know, the day I paid my first life claim was huge. It really changed the way I looked at this business. Mm. Because up until that point, I was operating only on faith. Mm. Here, pay these, pay pay your premiums. God forbid, knock on wood, something happens. Then, you know, there's going to be this huge check being delivered to your family. Mm. But I never seen it happen. Mm. So again, I'm preaching to this family, to this, you know, homeowner or, you know, breadwinner. You need to do this mm-hmm. because of these situations, but I had never seen it happen. Mm. The day I actually delivered a check and you see the impact mm. on that family, you see the impact on that spouse and the children, how, you know, that they don't have to worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's bad enough losing a loved one. Right. You know, you, you, you're going to grieve, but now imagine on top of that, worrying about, Oh man, where am I going to make the next house payment? Mm. Where am I going to, you know, this, that, the financial, you know, drain and strain that comes after that. Mm-hmm. So huge. And I've seen it on the other side. I mean, you know, come on. We, we, we grew up in an area that this stuff wasn't really, really um, given right. much thought. And when somebody passes away, what do we do? Car wash, passing the hat, you know, there's a bucket on, you know, the mm-hmm. street corners. You know, so it, that's just a bury their loved one. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with what's going to happen after, which is probably even more of a of a fine of a of a pain than the grieving that they're going to go through. Yep. So the, so you know these types of situations really changed the outlook of how we approached our business. Right. And, and you know there was another like you you ask you know why financial services? Well, those are one of the key factors too. Awesome. Yeah, I love the the residual income is so important. Like for us, we have a lot of people that are on you know monthly accounting services where they're paying us every single month to maintain their their books to give them their profit and loss, do quarterly estimates for their for their business so that way they don't have any uh, tax surprises. So we're providing a lot of value, but sure. at the same time we're getting paid every single month, which you know gives you the freedom, the flexibility to, you know, like you said, attend your your kids' events, you know, if you wanted to. Sure. So that 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 subscription based model is huge, or those um, recurring payments. I mean, that's huge. But I think what is more important. Like you said, you know, you when you were when you finally gave that first check to that family that had lost someone, it impacted you saw the impact that it had in their life, but it also impacted you. And when, and what I've noticed is that like I have a salesperson now on my team, account executive, who he started taking off in sales when he really believed in the product. When he really believed in the service, the value that we're going to provide, he, it's almost like he's he's so passionate about why you need this, mm-hmm. and 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 I'm sure probably once you gave like because you were selling this without just you know on faith, and then once you gave that check and you saw the impact, you saw it into come into fruition, right. and it's probably I could imagine just you know made your sales probably go up the roof after that because now you saw it become reality. And you saw the impact that it could have. Now you probably believe more in your product than you did before. And now it's like you're not going to take almost no for an answer because you know how important this is. Yep. yep. And, yep. and I think that is so important in sales. Like you have to believe in your service, your product more than anybody else. Because right. you have to convey that feeling, that emotion to the buyer. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're not gonna. They're gonna sense like, oh, I don't, I don't. He's just guy. He's just trying to make a commission, right? Exactly. exactly. As opposed to, no, he's actually trying to help me. Exactly. So that's that's awesome that you you basically got the best of both worlds. You saw the impact. You also saw the you know the recurring revenue. Um, so, how many agents do you have now? Let's fast forward to you know you know what is you know how big because you have two corporations, right? You Correct, have yeah. JSC 
and LFC. Yeah, Legacy, full circle. So what? So you mentioned that JSC is a part of LFC, right? Right. So Legacy Full Circle is um, what we'd call the IMO, an independent marketing organization. Okay. It's the bigger agency, if you will. Okay. And underneath Legacy, we have independent agents and agencies. Mm. So when you look at LFC, Legacy, that is the umbrella, if you want to call it that. And then JSC is our own personal, you know, Susie and I, Got it. personal agency that we have underneath Legacy. So we have ownership under Legacy, and we also have ownership, well, JSC is 100% ours. So Got we're, it. we're a part owner of Legacy. Got it. So Legacy is almost basically like the broker in a real estate company, and then, you know, JSC is the, the agent, basically. There you go, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So how many agents are under Legacy? Oh, well, we're, we're nationwide now. Wow. So I, I would say I, last count, I think we were up in about 500. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. you guys are, you guys serve all 50 states or? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, Legacy has been around over 10 years now. Okay. And, you know, we've been at the very beginning of that, you know, foundationally building that thing. for. Mm-hmm. So from day one. And JSC has been around going on 10 years now, 11 years. So nice. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's been a great ride for both sides and, you know, we're looking forward to, to the next steps of where we're going to go with this. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, absolutely. How did you get 500 agents under, you know, obviously that didn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know, what's, what, what was the secret sauce to make that happen? It took 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's just, you know, and again, trial and error, we would, you know, at first we started recruiting like, Greenies and new agents coming in, you know, marketing to those who wanted to get involved with, with um, the the industry, and we were, we had a training platform and getting them licensed and so forth. And although that was effective and it was working, it was a much slower and difficult process because first you the, you had to get the, the individual licensed. Okay, so that was step number mm-hmm. one. So and just like with anything else, you know, you get drop off on that. And then once they're licensed, then, you know, now we got to get them out on the field. We got to train them. And then that's going to take time. So you got to stop and think for someone who's coming into this industry and they're like, okay, I want to start making money. Well, if they have to get licensed, they could fail that, that state license you know, a couple of times. So that may take a month, two months, three, four, whatever long it takes for them to get licensed. Then once they're licensed, we got to get them trained and then submit their first piece of business. Now with anything else, it doesn't, happen overnight if it's a rollover that takes time because now one company has to write a check out to the other and it's got to go through suitability mm-hmm. if it's an insurance uh policy you there's underwriting you know so you, get, you there's an app there might be blood work needed for the for the insured or proposed insured and then they may not get qualified so this whole process from start to finish could take somewhere between you know two to three four months all the way up to six to seven eight months right so in that whole process, that in the individual is not getting paid. Right. So a lot of times, you know, that started happening that, okay, we get them so far, but then, you know, they just couldn't wait any longer and they would go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the challenge. So at that point, we started to shift our focus and say, okay, well, let's look at seasoned agents. Mm. Let's try to recruit agents that are, that are already licensed and already producing, producing agents, agency owners, mm. and let's bring them aboard. So, and what we did is we created a platform, which I'm proud of under legacy that we are going to, we have the ability to offer a lot more uh, benefits, mm. training, uh, high compensation mm. to attract that, that agency mm. or that agent over. So the resources that we have available that, that we have within legacy in most cases are resources that you would have to pay at another agency. Mm. or they just don't give it to you, period. Mm. So now what we're doing is we're giving that that platform for them to use as a tool in exchange for them coming aboard with us. Gotcha. So that started to, to snowball for us, and that's when we started getting agencies. And within agencies, now we're recruiting not just one agent. You know, some of these agencies have, you know, 50 agents, right? You know, 20 agents, and so forth. So that's how it started really kind of, um, kind of exponentially grow. Because at the beginning years, it was, you know, we were growing, but it was, you know, slow. And then all of a sudden, we made this shift and it started to take off. Nice. Yeah. So you had this basically offer to agencies that basically made it attractive to come to work basically under legacy because you're providing them this, these tools that they probably don't have access to. So right. that's going to allow them to 
make more income, make more money, which is great. So how do you generate leads for agencies? Because most people are focusing on the consumer, but you're focusing more B2B almost. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you generate leads for agencies? Yeah, so that's the other thing too. We've aligned ourselves with certain partnerships that provide leads. Now, and here's the situation with leads. There's a lot of companies out there that'll say, oh, we have a lead program. And the lead program is we're selling, sending out a bunch of mailers and then um, they're responding or so forth. And then they go out to the, um, to the individual's home. And the way they bait these individuals to, to sign up is they'll, they'll ask for, they'll, they'll give them a free card or a free gift card if they mm. meet with, uh, with the agent. So what happens in those scenarios is a lot of times they're just there for the card. Right. They're not really there for the content. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Right. Hey, let me just sit through whatever this person has to tell me and I'll just politely say no and I get my card and I'm good. Yep. You know what I mean, so that's the kind of lead generation that these other agents were being exposed to. Mm. So our other, the leads that we can provide for, for our agents is the, there is a cost involved. You know, it's minimal, mm -hmm. but nevertheless, it is a solid quality lead. Mm. And I use these leads myself personally. Mm. So I'm an agent as well under JSC. I still, I still write. I'm still out there because I love what I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these agents, I mean, um, these leads are quality leads that are school district employees, county employees, uh, college employees. These are solid um, individuals that have you know, good paying jobs that are seeking out information, mm. all right? And we have aligned ourselves with uh, certain pension systems that we know the school system pensions. We know CalPERS, CalSTRS, um, the public municipalities, these pensions. So we're well-versed on them. So we train our agents to, to, to learn these pensions because a lot of these employees don't understand it. So when we educate them with how their pension works, that opens the door because it shows that there's going to be a shortfall in their pension. Mm. They're not going to get 100% in most cases mm. when they retire. So how do we solve for that shortfall? That's through supplemental accounts. Mm -hmm. Now, they offer supplemental accounts, but we also offer supplemental accounts. So we compare the two and give them options. And a lot of times what winds up happening is we're able to close business on these supplemental accounts. And some of these accounts, I mean, you know, they could be a startup, a couple of hundred bucks, or they may have a couple of hundred thousand sitting somewhere and they're going to roll them into it. Wow. So those are huge differences. But again, you're getting a quality lead mm -hmm. for, you know, for someone that's really, truly looking for the information mm. that they're, you know, on their pension, on their retirement, how to maximize that. So, and that's a huge difference. So that's just one area how we help. Gotcha. And that quality lead comes from a partnership? A partnership that we've aligned ourselves with, yeah. Uh -huh. This Got is it. an outside company that this strictly generates leads for us. Got it. Awesome. Yeah, I think the quality of the leads is important because it's it almost like the example of the gift card reminds me of the timeshare. Right. It's like that you got to, you know, <laughs> exactly. come spend three hours with us and yeah. we'll give you $200 to spend on food. And I'm just there for the food. I don't really. Right, exactly. You know, I don't, you know, I don't really want to buy the timeshare <laughs> you know i'm just there to, for the reward at the end so exactly. it's like you got to have someone who actually genuinely has an interest in the service right. that you're going to be offering or the product yeah exactly and they're not baiting these these individuals with something like that because at the end of the day they're not getting anything mm. so they're really just truly seeking out the information that they want about their pension system mm. so you know at the end of the day we're not turning around and giving them anything so we're just giving them the information, educating them, and, and more importantly, educating them on their options. And at the end of the day, it really works out. Awesome. You know, not everyone's going to be a you know, slam dunk, but you know, it, it works out enough where it makes sense. Awesome. So you're, you're leveraging relationships, again, that partnership that's giving you the quality leads to, to make sure, even though you know, co there's a cost to doing business and you understand that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think that's where like marketing is very important, right? Because if there's a cost to get a lead, you know, what is the, you know, the, the, uh, the revenue that you're going to generate, you know, how many leads you need to speak to in order to make a sale. Mm -hmm. And it's all a numbers game at that point. Absolutely. And it's like, as long as the numbers make sense, why not continue to pay for those leads? Why not continue to, you know, feed the, the partnership, right? If, if it's making you money. Yeah, exactly. So and, I, and, and we've seen this situation, at least for me personally, I've seen it um, where 
let's say if I have a thousand dollar cost a month on leads, I'm probably making somewhere between five and eight thousand off of those leads. Nice. I'd say that's a pretty good return on on the investment. Very good return yeah. on investment. Yeah. And I think at that point it's just more of a game of capacity of how much can I contribute into this lead right. generation machine and, and be able to generate the revenue. Cause sometimes you just even though you could spend more money to double make five thousand and make it into forty, you might not have the team members or the capacity to do so. Yeah. Or the time. Yeah. Or so yep. there's a price for time. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So what are you looking forward to now, Joel? I know that you met your, you know, I know you met your wife and was a big, you know, influence in you and you guys partnered up and you guys worked together. And uh, I think she's a great compliment to you. Uh, You know, just meeting her for, you know, the little that I know her, you guys seem really nice. You guys work together. You guys, you know, even, you know, generally look like you guys love each other, which is awesome to see that in a marriage. Uh, Tell me a little bit about like, what are you guys excited about? What is, you know, in store for the future? You know, you guys have a lot of experience already, but, you know, what are you looking right. for going forward? Yeah, so, and just so you have a, a history of that, we've been working together now 20 years plus. Wow. Right? So, I mean, and a lot of people are amazed at that. They're like, well, wait a minute, you live with her, you work with her, you, you know, you go on vacation with her. I mean, how do you guys even do that, right? And, yeah. And to me, I, I, I can't see myself not doing it, you know, because mm. we work so well together. We've been doing it for so long. It To me, it's just, it, it, it would it would feel awkward if I didn't. Mm. Yeah. Plus, I get to go to lunch with her, too, so that's a, always a good bonus. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, we spend so much of our time, you know, in our professions, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and I stop and I think of the, the, the couples that, that work apart. It's like, man, how much time part of you guys where you guys could be together you know so to me I, I i i'm truly blessed in that regard so but you know the fact that we you know we've been through these these ups and downs and and you know on relationships i'm not, we're not here to talk about relationships but i just want to point this out because i think it's huge if you really want to test your relationship go through some hard times mm. because that's when you really start to understand and realize okay is this going to be the partner for me that i are or or is it just someone that's you know here for the ride until until it gets bumpy and then right then they're gone so and and the beautiful thing about you know my my wife is that you know we've been through these these hard times and every mm. single time when the dust settled and you know you know we're, we're i'm wiping off the dirt she's right next to me and mm. uh, you know that's huge so i know whatever endeavor we move forward with you know i I know she's got my back. I got hers and, and, you know, we're going to make it successful. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as far as what we're going to be doing next, uh, that that's, um, we're, we're building this and we're building it for a reason. As far as legacy is concerned, we're looking to build this and potentially sell it. Nice. So, uh, you know, build it to a certain level and then we'll start taking on some offers. We already had an offer once. We declined it because uh, we weren't we weren't done building yet. So mm-hmm. we want to get to a certain point, a certain you know amount of uh, of um, revenue, and then we'll see. We'll start looking at potentially selling. So, and then at that point, we still have JSE. Right. So this was our fallback. So nice. for us, you know, we love what we do. It's not really labor intense. So you know, we'll probably still continue to do it, continue to build it. Our son now is coming up the ranks here. So, mm-hmm. you know, our, our vision with, with JSC was to potentially give it to him mm. and let him take over at some point if he wants to. Right. And if he doesn't, then we'll go ahead and uh, and we'll go ahead and uh, see what we want to do with it at that point. But, right. But as far as other endeavors, um, we, you know, we're always looking. We're entrepreneurs in that in that regard. Uh, we, uh, we're looking at maybe diversifying now a little bit more. We're looking into maybe some developments uh, nice. with uh, real estate. Um, there are also some other areas that we want to, you know, kind of tap into the the insurance industry. I think uh, the insurance industry is so so huge in other areas that I think there's so much more benefit that we can offer. Uh, I, I stop and I think about situations where uh, where there's such a need, but yet there's not the financial ability. And what I've been trying to work on the past couple of years is I want to try and put a platform together and I'm working on this and I'm still haven't got it yet, but I'm going to, I'm going to, again, relationships, knowing who, you know, and, and teaming up with the right people. But I'm trying to create a platform where, uh, let's say a, a senior needs insurance. 
mm-hmm. you know, for final expenses or whatever, but they can't afford it. So some way, somehow partnering up with uh, someone that could provide maybe some financial aid to, to that senior for that purpose. Mm. So, and, and again, uh, that, that requires a lot more uh, legalities that right. need to be looked at because of how, how that would be structured. But, uh, but I think it's a good, it's a good fit in the market. I mean, I, I still think that, you know, when you really look at all these individuals passing away and, and you see that hat blowing around and mm-hmm. car washes and, you know, again, just to bury and not just to have a decent burial, I, I, I'm sure that there's a way that I can create a win-win for both sides. And, mm. and that's kind of, kind of something that's always been on the back of my mind that I want to try and work on and develop. So, so we'll see. I mean, right now we're doing well, we're, we're doing good and we're building, but uh, you know, it might be uh, something in the future for us there. That's, that's awesome. I think that uh, you, like you said, you know, there's a, there's still a huge need for life insurance. Cause there's, I mean, you drive down the street, there's still hats being passed around and you're trying to, you know, capture more of the market. So continue to build, build, build until you can finally come to that exit strategy and, you know, see the the windfall, which is awesome. I'm looking forward to having you see that as well. Um, but one of the things that I want to ask you about, Joel, real quick before, you know, we kind of end this up is you mentioned that, you know, you're, you're always, you know, you, you go through the ups and downs with your wife and the downs are really what build you up. Uh, but you're always with her, you know, like you said, 24 seven, and you almost see it as an awkward. And for me, you know, it's almost, you know, I love my wife dearly, but Obviously, she has her responsibilities as far as taking care of the kids. I have my responsibilities of building the business, and that's kind of how it works for us. Mm-hmm. So how is it like for you? Like you basically never get to like have alone time or time for Joel. Seems like it's always Joel and Susie. So how do you when do you get the chance to like or do you not need that? Great question. And, you know, I actually do get that time. Okay. And and, and we give each other that time. So uh, there there are situations throughout the year. And they're already kind of already planned out in certain situations. I have so many boy, you know, guy strips, if you want to call them that, right? Mm-hmm. Boys night out, you know. And, that, and that's the one thing that I think is also important because I think a lot of times people forget about themselves, you know. And you do need to have that alone time. So whenever she needs a break, go ahead, head out. You know, she, her friend from, she has a really good friend from London that comes into town twice a year. Mm. So when she comes in, they have like this girls weekend and they go do their thing. And I said, go ahead. Don't worry about it. I got, I got our son, go have fun, clock out and don't even think about anything else other than having fun. Nice. All right. So, and she does the same for me. Uh, I'm a huge Raider fan. So I like to go to the Raider game. So I'll take off on a weekend for the Raider game nice. you know, with, with the boys, with the guys. And mm-hmm. you know, that's my, you know, my, you know, boy strip. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So, uh, if, um, one of my friends from school or something like that or college or high school, hey, let's go ahead, grab a beer. You're free tonight. If I'm free tonight, you know, I'll ask, this, hey, I'm a, so-and-so wants to go have a beer. Go ahead. Take off. So, yeah. You know, and so we have, or vice versa, you know, one of her friends wants to go out and have dinner. Go ahead. Go. So, you know, we don't, you know, we don't hold each other back in that, in that area because I think it's important because, you know, I, you know, I didn't come into her life on day one. So she had a past. I had a past. And, right. And, you know, we respect that. And you know, at the end of the day, we trust each other. And that's what that's what matters. And, you know, we we also here's another important point, I think, that that's healthy for us is that we try to at least, you know, every other month, at the very least, once a month, we go on a date night. Nice. Just, just ourselves, you know, because we need to have that alone time, too, mm-hmm. because our son's going to grow up and eventually he's going to move on. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be back to square one, mm-hmm. which is us, too, which I'm OK with. But I know, you know, what really bothers me sometimes is I see, I see couples stay together for the kids and, mm. you know, they, they, and that may not be the best option. Right. I mean, I'm a single parent, the product of a single parent. Mm-hmm. I, and I stop and I think had my parents stood together, would, how would that outcome would have been mm. for me? Because if it's a, a toxic environment, if it's a bad environment with them together, mm-hmm. that may not have been the best situation for me. Right. So in a sense, I'm almost glad that they, they if it wasn't going to work and they knew that, okay, let's move on. And, and I didn't have to endure or suffer mm. that, that environment growing up. Mm. And it was a healthier option for me. So I thank them both. And, you know, I still have a great relationship with my dad, you know, to this day. Uh, so, you know, both sides are good. 
Yeah. And uh, to me, I think that was a blessing. So, you know, because those that stay together for the kids and then all of a sudden kids move on and now they're back to each other and they're, you know, like, yeah. And that's not healthy. And then, you know, they kind of, you know, I, I truly believe that people have a right to be happy. Mm-hmm. And if that happiness is not with, you know, your, that person, then, then move on, you know, just, you know, accept it and you be civil about it. You don't have to be crazy or anything like that. Just, Hey, it just didn't work out. And that yeah. happens. So that's pretty, I think that's a great testimony because I think uh, most people are like, Oh, well we have to be together for the kids. And, and you're a great, you know, example of someone that was raised by a single parent that had, that has good values and you don't necessarily sometimes need both parents at the same household in order to grow up a, a good child. Because you know, at the end of the day, happiness is what, what's important and that, you, that you're enjoying life to the fullest. That way you can achieve your dreams, achieve your, your desires, and, uh, and you know, really just pursue you know, whatever it is in life that you want to. And you got to have the support system to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I did. And that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Joel, if someone wants to be part of Legacy or if they want to uh, maybe buy life insurance or retirement or have questions, what's the best way that my listeners can get a hold of you? Yeah, well, uh, my wife handles all of our uh, social media outlets and so forth. So you can reach us at her IG or her social media handle, which is at Sushan. And Sushan is spelled S-U-E-S-E-A-N. Like the, the name Sue and the name Sean, but put together. So at Sushan. Awesome. Awesome. So you can reach out to Joel's spouse, dear to her, to his heart. Uh, Susie, but spelled Susan or Su- Sushan. Yeah. Sushan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and a little, little backstory to her name. It's actually a French name. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it, it's Suesian. Oh, wow. But, you know, <laughs> that, so we just say Sushan or Susie. <laughs> Sushan. There we go. Sushan. Yeah. Sushan. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah. So you can follow uh, his spouse, his wife, uh, Susie, but uh, at Shu- Sushan. Um, to reach out to Joel for anything, life insurance, whether you want to be part of legacy or if you want to reach out for retirement, that's the best way to get a hold of them. And then uh, she'll be more than glad to connect you with Joel. Um, other than that, Joel, thank you for being part of the show. It's been a, a blessing having you on, it's been an honor. And I'm super had, super glad that my listeners got to experience your, your story. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me.